if she were here, and if uh, or, or and or if you ever got a chance to ask her, uh, Sandy would tell you that uh, had my circumstances in life been a little bit different at this point in my life, you're gonna, y'all are going to love this, um, I probably would have chosen to be a monk. Um, that goes a, for a lot of reasons. That goes along well with my introverted personality, for, for one thing. And uh, and she'd be absolutely right, by the way. But uh, you know, the idea the idea of that appeals to me a lot for a number of reasons. The idea of kind of living together in a community of of uh, tight knit Jesus followers that appeals to me. You know, having this consistent daily schedule of, of prayer and, and work and spending long periods of time with God, getting away from all the cultural distractions of the world. You know, for me, there she is. Everybody say hi. <laughs> so I was just telling everybody that you would you would affirm uh, that had I found myself, darling, in another context of life, that I would have probably have chosen to be a monk. Would you say that's right? <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, though, I can't... <laughs> Obviously, though, uh, I can't do that. You know, I can't just I can't just run run away to a monastery. Uh, I can't leave my family that I love dearly. I can't leave my responsibilities and the and the path that God has set me on. And nor nor what I want to at this point in my life. Uh, but a few years ago, this is kind of a long introduction, so y'all y'all kind of bear with me. But I'm just telling you a little bit about myself. I'm kind of setting up the the idea, the theme of the sermon. But a few years ago, you know, I started wondering if there was some way that I might be able to commit. Uh, or to put into practice the way of life that many of these monastics live uh, within my own context, right? Within, in other words, within my daily life, within the real world, you know, so to speak. So I started, you know, looking around. I started searching around, and, and to make a long story short, and I've talked to y'all one other time a little bit about this, but to make a long story short, I discovered the Benedictine tradition of uh, monasticism. And uh, some of y'all have probably heard of the Benedictine monks, they're the ones that are kind of well known for their for their uh, for their chanting, their their melodic chanting. Um, and again, I've, I've kind of mentioned this to you, but uh, let me just give you an idea of what these guys and these women, they're Benedictine nuns as well, that are also monks. Let me just kind of tell you what they're a little bit about. So this guy Benedict was um, he's kind of recognized as the father of Western monasticism. In other words, the the uh, when I say monasticism, those are those monasteries, those communities of, of monks that live together and work together and do all these things. Um, he's kind of known as the father of the monastic tradition in the Western world, uh, but you can really trace these practices back uh, a good uh, a, a good bit. I would say even practice-wise, beginning with Jesus. But there's definitely elements of of communal living and and, and this rigorous routine of daily practice within the, the historic Jewish and Hebrew tradition as well. But you also see it um, starting to kind of form more. Um, around the third century in Christianity, it started with these guys that were known that are known that we know today are, are as the Desert Fathers, and they were a group of, of people who again separated themselves a little bit from the from, from the world, and they lived together in community. And uh, they started up in uh, around the area of, of Egypt. So Saint Benedict comes along, and he's uh, he's actually Italian. He's an Italian monk. He was born in the late fifth century, and obviously he fathered the, uh, what I'm talking about. That's the Benedictine movement. So. All of these traditions, all of these monasteries, all of these monks, Benedictine, Franciscan, uh, uh, the Ignatian tradition, which they're not really, they're not really monks, but uh, the Carmelites, there's, there, there's, just, there's, there's a lot of different traditions, but all of them generally live <coughs> and practice their Christianity by what they call a rule of life. A rule of life. Basically, 
a rule of life is instructions on how they live together in that monastery. It's highly based on, they're, they're all, they got a few things in common. They're all highly based on Scripture. And in Benedict's case, they're highly based especially on the gospel writings and the teachings of Jesus. His particular rule, by the way, and this is, this is a copy of it. So you can see it's not, it's not very long at all. Uh, it's, it's actually one of the shortest uh, rules of life within the monastic tradition that, that there is. Uh, but his rule heavily emphasizes this idea of routine prayer and uh, combining that with routine work, uh, along with practicing good works, humility, uh, obedience to Jesus, love and service to Christ, those types of things. So in comparison to other monastics, uh, his is kind of simple, and it's, it's very moderate in its approach. It's not, it's not uh, as rigid as a, lot of these other, as a lot of these others are. It's not as strict. So uh, this rule and this way of life really appealed to me. And the more I learned about it, the more I read about it. And uh, lo and behold, I discovered something. I discovered that every Benedictine monastery as a tradition that goes way, way back that allows non-monastics, in other words, people like me, those who are unable to enter the monastic life for whatever reason, to kind of form an association with that monastery and to commit to following their rule in whatever context they happen to be, you know, in real life. So once I found that out, I was totally on board. Now here's, what, here's my problem. In case y'all hadn't noticed, Benedictine monasteries aren't exactly... Uh, sparse, or aren't exactly, um, there's not exactly a lot of them in South Georgia. Uh, you're not going to find a lot, of, a lot of monasteries in South Georgia, so I had to do some, some looking. And eventually I, I found one up in Minnesota. I know that's far away, but um, it's in, it's in uh, Collegeville, Minnesota. It's called St. John's Abbey. So I kind of started this process of becoming what they call an oblate. Kevin Milne is the only person who has ever noticed this in my emails, he's, or at least he's the only person that's ever asked me what are those letters at the end of your name on your email? They say O-B-L-S-B, and that stands for Oblate of St. Benedict. If it was an actual monk, they would sign their, 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 their uh, name O-S-B, Order of St. Benedict. But that's, but that's what that stands for. And basically what an Oblate is is just what I told you. They, we go through a, a, about a year's worth of a, 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 a instructional process, and we agree to be kind of associated with the monastery and also to be able to, uh, to try, within the grace of God, to, uh, to follow this rule within our own, you know, life context. So um, the way that I started this is, is I started meeting <laughs> online monthly uh, for spiritual formation sessions with, 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 with a monk, a guy named uh, Father Michael Peterson. And I know what you guys are probably thinking, what you're kind of picturing in your head. Uh, Father Mike is probably nothing close to what you're picturing right now. He's, he, he, was a rel he is a relatively young guy. He's not a lot older than I am. Uh, sometimes when we would meet together, he'd be in his full garb, his robe, and all that stuff. But sometimes when we meet together, he'd be wearing a T-shirt and jeans. But um, one thing about Father Mike is Father Mike has a very, very... He's, he's from the Minnesota area. He wasn't born in, in, into the Catholic Church, um, and he wasn't born into that tradition. He was actually born into the Assemblies of God, a, a charismatic Pentecostal church, and that's just kind of where he landed. Uh, but he's from Minnesota originally, and he has a very, very, very thick uh, Minnesota accent. Have you guys ever seen the movie Fargo? So this is what you this is what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, uh, this is what you're talking about. The only only it's probably even much more pronounced than it was in, in the movie Fargo. When I first met the guy, I, I really thought that he that he had immigrated to the U.S. or maybe at least he was a second generation immigrant, or at least maybe at least the second generation because it was so 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 very thick. It almost sounds Irish uh, to a degree. Anyway, it's just very interesting. He's got this super thick accent, and uh, 
But I'll tell you all this to tell you about the first session that I had with Father Mike. I had to give you a little bit of background with it because this is going to roll into our theme, into our scripture today. The first session that I had with Father Mike, and what we would do each time is we would go through the rules, we would go through the Bible, and, and we, would just, we would just discuss these things. And uh, one of the first questions, if not the very first question, and I'm, tr- I'm going to try to do this, and I'm going to do a very poor job at it, but one of the very first questions that, uh, that Father Mike asked me, and he always called me Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry, can you tell me, and I know that sounds Irish, or Scottish, or something, but he says, can you tell me the, wor- the first word in the rule of St. Benedict? Pastor Jerry, can you tell me the first rule in the, Saint- in, in the rule of St. Benedict? And of course, at the time, I couldn't. I had read it, but I, but I couldn't recall. I had no clue what the first word was in the rule. But the answer was very profound, I thought. And y'all, y'all can check this out. Y'all can check out my book if you want to. You can check it out online. Um, the answer was very profound. And it's a, it's a major emphasis or theme in the Benedictine tradition and way of life. First word in Benedict's rule is listen. Listen. The Father Mike was pointing something out to me that would really become a repetitive, a very repetitive theme uh, throughout our time together. Listening. Uh, more specifically, though, listening to God. You know, I think there was probably a pretty good reason that Benedict started his rule, began his rule with this little uh, but so very profound word. And that is that God, as Kevin mentioned earlier, has been calling him, has been calling us to listen to him since forever. Scripture is absolutely saturated with this idea and with this practice of listening to God. There's one really cool story uh, and if you were here Wednesday night during our Bible study, this is one of the this is one of the scriptures that we discussed. But there's a really cool story about one person who learned to listen to God in the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament book of First Samuel. And if you don't know the story of Samuel, I'll give you a little bit bit of background here. Samuel is this, at this point in the story anyway. Samuel is this young guy who would eventually become one of Israel's, uh, the Hebrew people's greatest prophets. He was born to a woman named Hannah who at the time had been unable to have children. It frustrated her uh, very, very, very much. Um, so what happens is Hannah winds up eventually basically making this deal with God. You know, God, if you will just give me a child, if you'll just give me a child, uh, I will dedicate that child to you and to, and to your service for the rest of their lives. And that's exactly what happened. Hannah bears a child. His name is named him Samuel. And she dedicates Samuel to the service of God. Uh, she kept to her word. So in the story that we read here in Samuel chapter 3, uh, he's probably somewhere in the area of about 12 years old, and he's living under the care and under the guidance and under the tutelage of this other Hebrew priest named Eli. So we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 3 and just read a few verses here. 1 Samuel 3b through 10. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and the Lord called to him. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, here I am. And he ran to Eli. <laughs> and he said, here I am, because you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go lie down again. So Samuel went, and he laid back down. The Lord called again, Samuel, 
Samuel. So Samuel got up, and again he went to Eli. He said, Here I am, for you called me. But again Eli said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So again, the Lord called Samuel a third time. Samuel got up, he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. So at this point, Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to him, Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel went and he lay down in his place, and the Lord came and he stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The word of God for the people of God. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We can sum up a 30 minutes worth of sermon today with that one word, listen. Because just like with Samuel, God is always, always reaching out to us, y'all. God is all about relationship. And He's there to guide us. He's there to instruct us. He's there to simply converse with us. God is always speaking. But are we listening? Or is our relationship with God more of a one-sided relationship? Do we actually allow God to have the speaking role in our relationship with Him? Or do we just kind of expect Him to listen to us. You know, humans have always had this problem. We've always had this tendency in our relationship with God, in our relationship with other people. Much more often than not, probably, we would much rather speak than we would listen. And I think culturally, golly, this is a major, major problem in our overall discourse. We don't listen to people for the purpose of actually trying to hear them. We don't listen to people for the purpose of actually trying to understand. We listen to people to figure out how we're going to respond. More often than not, while they're talking, we're already forming in our heads what it is we're going to say next. Can y'all relate to that? I can. And our relationships suffer because of that. They suffer heavily because of that. Our entire society suffers because of this. Let me give you an example. Just look at, our, look at our political discourse today in the United States. Nobody listens to the other side to try to hear them. Nobody listens to the other side to try to understand where they're coming from. Nobody listens to the other side to try to understand their life experiences. We've already formed our opinions. We've already formed our preferences. We've already formed our prejudices. So these conversations, if you can even call them that, they're, they're dead on arrival, so to speak. We listen only for the sake of responding, for the sake of telling people how wrong they are. How do we ever expect to progress in any relationship, any society, any individual relationship with that kind of mentality when we take that kind of posture towards other people in our in our relationships? But again, <clears throat> this is not a new thing. The Bible touches on it throughout Scripture. James, the half-brother of Jesus, apparently observed this, this problem, this problematic issue, when he wrote the instructions for us to be slow to speak and quick to hear, to listen. In the Old Testament book of Proverbs, the author writes this, 
with lots of words comes wrongdoing, but the wise restrain their lips. Ecclesiastes 5.2 instructs this, and this is from the message translation. Don't shoot off your mouth. Don't speak before you think. Don't be too quick to tell God what you think He wants to hear. God is in charge, not you. The less you speak, the better. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's the posture. That's the attitude that we're called to bring before God. And God does speak to us, folks. God, God speaks to us in a number of ways. Again, this is something we talked about Wednesday night. God speaks to us in a number of ways. However, as Father Thomas Keating wrote and was famous for saying, silence, silence is God's first language. When the noise of the world and when the noise of our constantly going minds are overwhelmed by silent stillness in the presence of God, we set ourselves up to be most able to hear God. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 writes, says, Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Psalm 37.7 We can't expect to hear the voice of God. We can't expect to listen to the voice of God. Or at least it's going to be very, very difficult when God's quiet whisper has to compete with our busyness and with our hurriedness. Now this can be kind of kind of difficult for some folks. Uh, it can be it, it can be kind of daunting. What does it mean? You know, what does it mean to sit in the quiet in the quiet and to sit in stillness before God? I've had this conversation with a number of you personally. We've had this conversation a number of times in, in groups before. What does it mean to listen to God in the quiet and in the stillness? How do we how do how do we do that? Because it just honestly it just doesn't come natural to us. You know, there's all there's all kinds of of, of historical uh, meditative practices, spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, and try in, in, the, in the history of Christianity that have tried to you know teach us how to sit and just be in the presence of God and allow God to talk to us, to speak to us, to move inside of us. Uh, but the one that I just want to talk to you real quick, and, and, and I hope that you'll t- take home and that you'll actually put this into practice, is something that you have done and you probably still do uh, very much to a degree anyway. Um, but I want to take it present to you probably with a slightly different approach than maybe you're used to. And again, we did something very, very similar to this in a worship service probably not too long after I got here, maybe about two years ago or so. Uh, but this is just, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not trying to be cool, it's not trying to be whatever. It is a proven spiritual practice that will allow us to put ourselves within a posture and with a mentality and an attitude to receive the message of the living God. So God speaks to us in that silence and God speaks to us in that stillness. Church, God also speaks to us through the Scriptures. And I know that may be kind of stating the obvious or at least on the surface sound like I'm stating the obvious, but I want to take you a little bit deeper into that and tell you what I mean by that. We all can confess, we all can affirm that God speaks to us through the Scriptures, but I want you to approach Scripture maybe maybe in a slightly different way than what you've been taught over the years in order to actually get the fullness of the purpose of Scriptures, which is to listen, literally, to God's written Word. The problem that a lot of us have, the problem that, that, that with the way that many of us approach Scripture, Kevin, you said it yesterday during y'all's group, <coughs> uh, 
The problem that many of us have when we approach Scripture, or many of us have because we've been taught to approach Scripture like that, is we're trying to figure it all out, right? We're trying to figure all this stuff out. Instead of allowing God's written Word to us to transform us, we're basically looking for it to inform us. We want to master Scripture more on an academic or a learning uh, type of method or a type of way instead of allowing it to actually speak to us. Or maybe more accurately, instead of allowing God to speak to us through it. But the main purpose, and this is exactly what you said yesterday, Kevin, the main purpose of Scripture, though, is not to learn about God. The main purpose of Scripture is not to learn about Jesus. But certainly, the main purpose of Scripture is not to form or to confirm our various theories, our various opinions, our various prejudices, our various theologies. The primary purpose of Scripture is to have a real, living encounter with a real, living God. It is there for us to listen to what God has to say for us. This has been a problem since Scripture has ever existed. As a matter of fact, if you were to look up this story in the fifth chapter of John, Jesus himself talks about this problem. He tells in this conversation that he has in John chapter 5, he, he tells some of the best, some of the most well-read, some of the most learned students of Scripture in his day. He tells them, you diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me, about Jesus. In other words, they read and they studied the Scriptures, but they didn't listen to God through them. Y'all, I've had, at this point, over five years of academic, biblical, scriptural training. I've had five years worth of what they call hermeneutics, which is a, which is a big, fancy academic word for, for biblical interpretation. I have to study this stuff. I have to understand historical context. I have to understand cultural context of the time these books were written. I have to understand who the authors of these books were, who the audiences of these books were. I have to unpack and, and, and uh, uh, explore every facet of Scripture. And I've been taught how to do every bit of that going on for five years. If, if it, I've, I've, I've gone through the Old Testament. I've gone through the prophets. I'm, I'm going through the Gospels. I've already gone through the Gospels. The entire Bible, this is something I have to do as part of my training. Out of all those five years of getting that academic learning, not a bit of it, has transformed me inside and out, in, from the inside out, than what I'm talking to you about today. I can learn all I want to learn about the history and the culture and all that stuff. I can be the most trained person in biblical interpretation, and it's not going to transform me one doggone bit unless I'm actually listening to the voice of God who is speaking to me through that Scripture. That is the only time, at no point, I may have had some aha moments. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't understand that about that, whatever. But I have never experienced transformation or connection with God taking an academic approach. It's only when I approach Scripture with a, with, with a, with a, from a posture of submission and from a posture of God, speak to me. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now, folks, I'm not talking about... <laughs> Daryl made a comment, a similar comment like this. Uh, Wednesday, 
I'm not talking about the Bible being some kind of magical source to answer all of your questions and to make all the decisions for you. The Bible is not your personal crystal ball. <clears throat> We've all heard people, you know, give this example of asking God a question and, and randomly turning to some scripture in the Bible and saying, ah, that's going to be my answer, right? That ain't, that ain't how it works, and that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking to you about is submitting to God. As God, excuse me, this is bugging the mess out of me. I had to pick my lid up. <clears throat> I'm talking to you about submitting to God as God speaks to you through the Scriptures. I'm talking to you about listening to God's voice. Now, how do we do that? And I'm going to give you a very simple way of doing that. Because again, and I know, if y'all remember, maybe some of y'all remember, some of you don't, we did do this exercise, or a very similar exercise a couple years back. But I want to do it again because I just feel like it's so, so very important. I believe, I believe this is the number one way that God speaks to us. I have no doubts about that whatsoever. <clears throat> so I want to try to kind of explain how you go about doing this. How do I go about listening to God through Scripture? How do I go about approaching Scripture with the intent of, of, of submitting myself, but also with the intent of, of, of hopefully allowing God to utilize this time with Him to transform me more and more into the image of Jesus Christ as opposed to approaching it from a I'm trying to learn something or I'm trying to um, extrapolate information out of this out of this book or out of this reading. First and foremost, you got to <laughs> first and foremost is the most obvious thing in the world. When you go into these times with God, when you go into these silent, still times with God through Scripture, the first thing that you need to do is just say a simple prayer. Say a simple prayer and let God know your intentions. Your intentions are what matter. Y'all hear me talk about this all the time. Your intentions and your motives, the condition of your heart, that's what matters to God. All the outward stuff doesn't matter. I told you all. For example, you can, you can give away all the food, you can give away all the clothes in the world that you want to, but you're, if you're giving it out of an attitude of I have to do this or an attitude or a posture or a motive of uh, this, is, this is something I must do or uh, I'm, I'm kind of doing this belligerently, it's worth nothing. Same thing, same thing when, we, when we actually have a relationship with God, when we actually approach God. What is the intent? What's the purpose in my heart when I'm approaching God? So hopefully this is your intent. This is your purpose. So when you go to God prior to get diving into the Scriptures like that, you want to pray a simple prayer of intent to God. And this is a great, small, little prayer that every one of us can go out of here this morning, memorize it, and utilize it as soon as we get a chance to sit down with God and our Bibles. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You don't have to be wordy. You don't have to throw out a lot of a, lot, a, a beautiful dissertation of words. God knows the condition of your heart. He knows the intention of your heart. Lay that out to Him. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Then you go to the Scriptures. You go to the Scriptures. Maybe, in, maybe it's a few verses. Maybe it's a chapter. Um, whatever you want. Maybe it's maybe it's just a paragraph or two. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You, just, you, you go to whatever Scripture it is that you've chosen for that day. And then you just start reading. But the way that you read is different than the way that a lot of us have been taught to read or a lot of us read naturally. You want to read the Bible slowly. You want to read this Scripture slowly. You want to take it in. You want to chew on each word. Take in the meat. Take in every, every single word, every single comma, every single period. You're really taking this in. You're not trying to glean all the information you can 
You're trying to allow God to speak to you through these written words that you're, that you're, that you're intentionally uh, uh, taking in, in in His direct presence. So you want to read your Scripture slowly. Don't rush it. It's not a race. You're not trying to soak up as much information as you can in one sitting. You're literally listening for the voice of God. Read it again. Read it over and over again. Read it as many times as you need to read it. A second time, a third time, maybe even a fourth time. Notice what sticks out to you. This is how God works, folks. This is how God speaks to us in Scripture. Notice anything about that Scripture that jumps out to you. Y'all who do attend the Wednesday night group that I, that I do, what's the first question that I ask you guys as soon as we read that Scripture? Somebody, somebody, I've been doing it for a year now. Somebody tell me. After we read that scripture, what's the first question I ask you guys? Wayne got it. Was there anything in that scripture that you took notice of? Was there anything in that scripture that jumped out to you, that grabbed your heart or that grabbed your attention? Something to that effect. Ask yourself these questions as you're going through this scripture. What sticks out to you? Maybe it's a particular image. Maybe it's a particular phrase. Maybe it's even a, a, a single word. Whatever that is, let that be your focus. Let that be your focus. Meditate on that. Again, if it's a word, image, phrase, whatever, observe what God might be trying to show you or to tell you through what it is about this Scripture that's jumping off the page to you, that's really standing out. And then you go to God in prayer. You respond to that text. You respond to God. You ask God to show you what exactly it is that He wants you to take from it. Sometimes this might lead you to offer a prayer of gratitude, thanks. Sometimes it might lead you to read to a prayer of forgiveness. Or uh, it may just lead you to simply talk to God about the passage, what the passage has brought to your heart. And then, when you're done with all that, if you're able, if you feel led to do so, you just sit with God. You just sit and you rest with Him. You take in that silence, and that silence, that silence of the in the very real presence of God. Listen for God's voice. And then maybe you want to conclude that time with some scripture or uh, by saying a prayer, whatever comes to mind. Church, I, I mean this in all sincerity. I, I, I don't believe that I can teach you a better way of authentically learning to listen to God's voice than through this simple spiritual discipline, this simple approach to scripture that I just went over very, very briefly this morning. I, I'm not exaggerating, I promise you. I'm not going to lie to you, ever. Um, but I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that when 99.9% .9 of the time I do this, I have a direct and an undeniable connection with God. Never fails every single time. And that does not happen with every spiritual practice that I engage in. With this one, with the going to Scripture, every single time. So where do you start? Where do you, where, do you, where do you begin with this? How do you choose? That's what everybody really wants to know. That's probably, this is one of the main things that we struggle with. How do I choose the Scripture that I'm going to read? I'm going to offer you guys a suggestion this morning on, on how to do that or what Scripture to go to um, in the coming days, in the coming weeks. One thing that we're doing at Bemis, one thing, that I, and it, I, I did not plan on this. It wasn't a long thought I planned. It's just kind of something that, that fell into place. But one thing that we're doing right now at Bemis is we are collectively going through the um, 
the, the scriptures that cover what we call the lectionary. Now, I know that most folks don't have any clue what I mean when I say the lectionary. So I'm going to tell you what that is. The lectionary is a three-year series uh, of Bible readings, of scripture readings, right? And each of those readings uh, kind of correspond with the seasons of the church. Okay, so if it's Advent, for example, your scripture readings are going to correspond to the coming, the first and or the second coming of Christ, for example. If it's Lent, the scriptures are going to focus on the themes of uh, repentance, uh, those types of things. During the summertime, the summer months, they're, they're generally geared towards the teachings of Christ and the teachings of, uh, of God's kingdom, those, those, those types of things. But this is a universal thing. A lot of, a lot of churches engage this. A lot of, a lot of preachers preach based off that text. Um, and normally I do that, uh, except on a rare occasion when I feel like you know, God's led me in some other direction. So something we're doing here right now is number one, Ted's Sunday school class, Ted's adult Sunday school class, is utilizing these lectionary scriptures every Sunday morning. So in other words, I, I, I assume you still are, Ted. <laughs> so every Sunday morning, they're going to they're gonna cover, and, and, and while you're studying for that lesson the prior week, they're going to cover the lectionary readings for that Sunday morning. So generally, there's, generally there's, a, there's an Old Testament reading, there's a Psalm reading, there's a Gospel reading, and there is an Epistle reading, uh, normally from one of the books of Paul. Uh, and then sometimes Ted's lessons will, 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 uh, will focus on, on several of those. Sometimes it will just be one or two of them. Um, whatever. So they're, they're, they're going through these lectionary readings, these scripture readings every week. Wednesday night we are doing the same thing. We're not using the same curriculum that Ted is using, but we are going to the same lectionary-based scriptures. So we're studying the same scriptures for the most part. We may not, again, we may not go all over, over all four of them, and there generally are four every week. We may not be going through all four of them, but we're at least hitting on a couple of them. This week we did talk about our scripture from 1 Samuel that we went over today. Um, and we talked about the, uh, the gospel, the gospel uh, scripture that time. So my intention is to also preach off the lectionary also most Sundays. Um, unless, again, I feel like God's preaching, uh, bringing me somewhere else. I think this is a really cool approach. I think this keeps us unified for one thing. We're, we're all kind of looking, if we're participating in these groups or these classes, we're all kind of looking at the same scriptures every week, Right? We're all kind of getting the idea of the same theme, the same ideas uh, that, are, that, are being, that are being brought forth through these same uh, unified scriptures every single week. So what I'm going to suggest to you guys, if you don't know where to start reading, if you don't know what scripture to start with, utilize the ones that we're doing. Utilize all four of them if you want to. Utilize one of them. If you want to, and if you want to know where to find this, I can I can I can show you where to find it um, in your scripture time. Go to that scripture; it's very easy. That way, we're, we are all on the same page. We're all essentially checking out the same themes and the same, sometimes even the same scripture. And I will take it even a step further. Um, if you're on our email list, I will email you the scripture that I'm going to preach on the following Sunday. I generally, I've, I've always sent those out to uh, Kevin and. Paulette and uh, Carla, so they would have a, a prior knowledge as to what the topic was going to be and the, what the scripture was going to be. Uh, but if you're on our email list, or if you want to be on our email list, you know, again, write your email address down, stick it, stick it in the basket before you leave. I will send you the scripture that I'm going to preach on uh, the following Sunday, and you can just utilize that scripture and you can and you can focus on that every day of the week. Sit down with God. Sometimes it's going to be just a few verses. Sometimes it's going to be more, you know, closer to a, a longer a longer portion of scripture. Um, but none of them are exceptionally long. You're not even going to be reading the whole chapter the vast majority of the time. But you can take that, and, and you can, and you can. You're, the cool, another cool thing about that is you're also on board 
with a large portion of the church across the globe. Because a large portion of the church utilizes these exact same scriptures every week. So we're studying, we're meditating on the same exact scriptures that many, many of our brothers and sisters are throughout the world. And I, I just think that's a cool idea. I think that's a cool idea uh, uh, to have an awareness of. So I promise you, you know, if, if you want to do that, I'll, if, you're on our, if you're on our list already, you're going you're gonna to start receiving them. If you'd like to be, uh, write, write your email address down, I'll get, and I'll get that to you. But that's just one way that I would you know, suggest to, to, uh, to begin this practice of, of, of actually sitting down, listening to God through the Scriptures, and allowing God to transform us uh, from the inside out more and more into the image of Jesus Christ because that's what the purpose of Scripture ultimately is. Kevin, y'all can come on up, brother. I'm going I'm to uh, pray for y'all, and uh, I'm going to open up the altar. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank God for, for every Sabbath day that we're allowed to come into your, to your presence with our brothers and our sisters. God, we understand that we, especially in our culture, we, uh, we suffer from busyness and we suffer from hurriedness and we suffer from distraction and we suffer from noise, outside noise, inside noise, everything in the world pulling us left and right in every direction, pulling us away from you. Help us, God, to, to push back from those distractions. Help us, God, to push back against the noise in our lives and to take intentional time with you. Give us the desire and then give us the ability to open up ourselves, to open up our spirits, to open up our minds, to open up our hearts, to, to receive your voice, God. Uh, we know that you want to be in relationship with us, God, but we can't do that unless we, number one, unless we have a willingness uh, to do so. Give us the desire. God, to listen. Give us the ability to listen so that we might be in better relationship with you for one, so that we might be in better relationship with others, and so that we might, again, continue to be transformed more and more into the image of your Son for your glory and for your kingdom. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.